Good morning, Minecrafters, and welcome to episode two of season two, Stop Worrying and Make Money. So last week we were talking about the happiness advantage and Sean Aker's work, and by the way, his book is so good, I've had students say it was life-changing for them, actually. He also has some good TED Talks out there, but anyway, so talking about today's going to specifically relate to money, right? Let's just recap for a second here because Sean said, remember, the happiness advantage is about, you know, because positive brains, positive brains have a biological advantage over brains that are neutral or negative. This principle teaches us how to retrain our brains to capitalize on positivity and improve our productivity and performance. And this general message of last, actually two weeks ago, is going to kind of transfer right over into what we're talking about today, which is our own relationship to money. And it would start out with our, a lot of people don't understand this. And honestly, I'm still, I'm still a work in progress with this myself. Money, our relationship with money has lots and lots to do with our relationship with ourself. I mean, think about it. Think about what money is, right? Money is an exchange of, of our own life minutes and there is nothing more valuable than our life minutes, and we're exchanging this for you know a service or a material thing or whatever. You know, so think about if we put it in like uh, you know an eight-hour workday, right? So eight hours of our valuable life minutes. Think of you know eight hours of your life minutes at whatever age you are out there listening, okay? And when you know we're eighty-five, you know, might want those you know eight hours of you know life minutes at at twenty-five, thirty-five, forty-five, or fifty-five back eight hours of our life minutes we we put this money that we earned in the bank which represents what we you know basically sacrifice for that day right and also how we manage money just in general not only how we spend it but how we how we save it and all the choices we make have lots to do with how we value ourselves okay so that's the first part and then also we think about the advantages of of not worrying and how this tied into what we talked about a couple weeks ago with the advantages of happiness. So this means that whatever we choose, you know, to take that money out of the bank, let's say, you know, metaphorically, or to spend on, you know, a mortgage or rent or a birthday gift or out to dinner with some someone who's really important to us, that is, is if you think about it this way, it's a real compliment. Let's say, let's say it's out to dinner for some nice event and we're taking money out of the bank to spend on that person. We're, what that is saying underneath it all is you are worth my, the valuable life minutes I spent to make this. You are worth that. When we think of it like this, it can really change our whole idea of money and definitely make it tougher to spend. We're going to think, think it through a little bit more. Okay, so here's where we're going to kind of differentiate between you know, worrying, stress, and anxiety. And we've talked about those through the podcast. We're going to bring this into how this can actually throw a big wrench into our ability to make money and how kind of, you know, sort of unhinging that will then open the doors for us to make money. Whoops, and it stops being functional. So I I guess I could, I could agree with that to a point. If somebody, uh, you know, was able to kind of, you know, think about something and problem solve for, you know, a short amount of time, which is what the article is saying. I just think in reality, it doesn't work that way for most people. I think most people get really locked into worrying, which kind of goes the opposite direction. And the author of this article, Emma Patti, does actually say that she has it on the bottom. It says, worry is only helpful 
if it leads to change, not if it turns into obsessive thoughts. So I guess we do agree. I'm just thinking that I think um, probably it's more the exception than the rule when people um, are able to control this. I think worry actually gets way out of hand for most people. Um, She has some tips here, three things to help your worries. And first she says, Emma says, give yourself a worry budget. She says an amount of time in which you allow yourself to worry about a problem. When that time is up, um, consciously redirect your thoughts. Okay, that's the first one. And she says, second, when you notice that you're worried about something, push yourself to come up with the next step or action. Now, that's good because if you kind of get yourself going and worrying about, let's say, what you can't pay, bills, of course, is a very common one, um, or relationships or whatever, that to, to kind of um, work it into something practical. Okay, I've got this you know, problem, this situation going on, and let's you know, take some steps toward a solution. Good. Three, she says, write your worries down. You know, um, she says, research has shown that just eight to 10 minutes of writing can help to calm obsessive thoughts. Now, this is also very interesting. And I was just reading another article not that long ago that said something similar. Uh, But the thing is, you'll also find a lot out there that says the exact opposite of this. So I think it's very good to bring in different perspectives into a podcast and a discussion, which is what this is. And maybe, perhaps, uh, you know, uh, those tips will work for you, and that's fantastic. Uh, for me, I wouldn't. I'm not a fan of of, of that that tip of um, setting aside worry time. Again, maybe it can work for you. I'm definitely. And as far as the journaling thing, journaling is fantastic. We know that journaling works for all sorts of things. However, for me. I'm definitely more of a gratitude journal person because we also, we know for sure, I mean, with brain scans and everything that the more we, you know, shift into this place of focusing on what we have versus what we don't have, we know for sure that, you know, there'll be some neurological change in, the, in a po- more positive direction. And um, when we have this sort of attitude of gratitude, we actually attract more to us. So if it's money and we're focusing on, you know, maybe we only have, you know, $8 in our checking account. Instead of focusing on, oh, my God, what if something happens? Oh, my God, now I have $8 in my checking account. Instead, of instead, try to shift. Remember, that's an uphill shift because we're prone, um, physiologically speaking, to negative thinking. We have to work at positive thinking. If we can instead shift out of, you know, the, the, the half-empty perspective, right, to, okay, I have $8 in my account. That's better than no dollars, Okay, and try to shift into thankfully and then start, you know, having an attitude of gratitude of what is going well in our lives overall. That works better for me, um, but it is good to offer, you know, other people's perspectives for sure. So as far as worry goes, I'll tell you what I what I explained to my Minecraft students, which which, you know, this is what I believe in my own life and why I just, I'm not a huge warrior. And again, we talked about this, right? What we practice, we inevitably get good at. So we've talked about how to, how to, you know, control our thinking because we are what we think. We know this to be true. We are what we think. Remember if somebody says, oh, we are what we eat. Well, think about that. You're not eating much if, you know, let's say, you know, we had somebody sitting our virtual audience right there, right? We carved open their skull with kindness and anesthesia and put their brain in a big jar from aldehyde on a shelf and said, you know, how's that burger? They're not going to have a big answer for you, right? 
or how are you feeling? You're not going to have an answer for you there either. So obviously without the brain, there's nothing else going on. We are what we think. So when we learn to control our thoughts, which has everything to do with what we're talking about today, which leads into the money piece we're going to get to, um, we are in a much better place for this goodness to come in. So speaking of practice, what I explain to my students is, you know, we've got stress, which again, my, my favorite de- definition of stress is wanting the present moment to be something other than it is. Wanting the present moment to be something other than it is. So remember, we've had examples of this throughout. You know, you, you blow a tire on a highway on the way home, it's dark, your cell phone's dead. All of a sudden, heart's amped up, racing, blood pressure's up, your mind is everywhere. What if thinking? What if, what if, what if, what if? Is that really about the tire blowing or is it about you're late for work, you're late for a date, you're late for home? Um, now you're thinking about the money it's going to cost. Uh, what are you going to do tomorrow to get into work? It's all this what if, what if, what if thinking. It's not really about the tire, okay, itself. So uh, wishing the present moment was something other was something other than it is, were something other than it is. I love that, okay? And it's, it's when we don't accept that it is what it is that we get stressed. And anxiety is obviously in the mind. Um, and worry is really sort of um, kind of like, you know, an expression or manifestation of anxiety, right? So what I explain to my students is what we practice, we get good at. We know that to be true, right? Whether it's the violin, soccer, uh, robbing banks, and we can get really, really good at being nervous and stressed out if we practice it. And this is what worry is to me. Worry is actually practicing being anxious. Think about it. When we allow thoughts to roll through our heads, and we are allowing it, and I know people um, who are diagnosed with this and that, they have something extra to deal with, and nobody's saying it's easy. However, the news is happiness is still a choice. Controlling our thoughts is still a choice. It may be harder for some than others, for sure, but it it does still come down to us choosing to allow certain thoughts in. So worrying, you know, the what if, what if, what if, and leading into the catastrophizing thinking, which is if I practice, you know, every worst case scenario, you know, I'll be ready, like in the short stop position, like we've been talking about. When we allow these repetitive hamster and a wheel thoughts to continue, um, we are, what we think about is how we're going to feel, right? So if if we're worrying and practicing it and getting really good at it, we're going to walk around feeling anxious and fearful most of the time. And then, then sometimes I'll say to my students, you know, think of it, you can become a world-class worrier if you want to. Just continue to practice anxious thinking and fear-based thinking. Practice it all day, every day. And you'll be like Michael Phelps going up there for his eighth gold medal. You can stand up on that top tier, the little podium thing, right, and receive the gold medal for worrying because that is how it works. So now when we're talking about making money, it, it really isn't different than the rest of what we've been talking about because think about it. We only have so much emotional energy in one day, right? And then I'll ask my students this and they think it's a trick. So eventually they come up with 100%, which is accurate. We only, we only have 100% of our emotional and cognitive energy to give to anything, whether it's work, school, you know, um, a conversation in a relationship, um, a chess game, you know, whatever it is, we've got exactly 100% to give. That's it. So picture it. So I usually do a picture on the board. I draw a circle and I do pie slices. Okay. So if we take 
you know, maybe 5% out because we wake up thinking about something last week that bothered us. Well, that's over, right? But five, five or maybe even 10% of our cognitive and emotional energy is going to something that's over. Okay, that leaves us with 95 or 90% of our emotional and cognitive energy to take on this day right now. You know, so then another five or maybe 10% goes into the workday that's coming up. Oh my gosh, I forgot I had that meeting. Oh, I'm double booked. Oh, I got to deal with that conflict I have with that employee, or I got to deal with this conflict I have with this coworker. And there goes another 10% of that energy. Okay, now we just lost 20%. We're not even out the door yet. You know, then enter maybe the worrying about the bills. Okay. And there goes another, you know, maybe 10 or 20%. So we walk out the door to work and we're, we're operating. We got 60% of our cognitive and emotional energy to put into this day, to put into this day and think about how that get, can get in the way of money making because it, it has a direct impact on the creativity flow in. Think of it like, you know, like the ocean. I'm coming up with this as, as I'm thinking of it in this minute, not planned. Uh, on the beach, when you think of the little kids down where they dig holes right close to where the water comes up. And when they dig a hole right by the water, the water, it just fills up, right? Automatically fills up. Well, that's the same thing with creativity for business opportunities, for writing novels, for filmmaking, for writing that children's book you've always wanted to write, for whatever can. And, and the fact is, we know for a fact, we know for a fact when we do what we love, the money will follow. When we do what we love, what we're meant to be doing, when we pursue our passion, this is when the money flows in, flows into that, just like that hole in the ocean, just fills right up. So when we practice, practice worrying, practice giving up you know, our creativity in a silver platter, this is obviously going to impair um, our, our availability to receive all this creative thinking. So I'm going to take us back to Richard Carlson. Again, we've been talking about him with his Don't Sweat the Small Stuff um, book series, and he's fantastic. He also has another one out called Don't Worry, Make Money. Um, and he's got a lot He's got a lot of good things to share with us. It's interesting because Richard Carlson, i got to meet this guy, starts out talking about you know, that famous song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Um, and he talks about that being kind of like um, as if, you know, this uh, Bobby Ephraim were singing his own, his thoughts. And I've always thought that was kind of, you know, I've got several theme songs, actually, but that would definitely be one. I love Don't Worry, Be Happy. And uh, he talks about um, when we're happy, we not only enjoy our lives more than when we are not happy, but we are far more competent, productive, and creative. Without the internal distractions of anger, depression, frustration, and especially worry, our relationships flourish, stress is diminished, new doors are open. And our lives run smoothly. Well said, Richard Carlson. You know, and then he goes on for a little bit, kind of um, very courageously admitting that this is something he struggled with. And he's, um, he says he's always been a little unnecessarily cautious and kind of acknowledges that part of him just plain worried too much. And, and then he says he began to look carefully at people that he respected and, re- and admired. People who had made it, quote unquote, you know, made it in their given fields. He says he looked at writers, athletes, businessmen and women, entertainers, speakers, therapists, entrepreneurs, corporate executives, and other professionals. And he said, and I learned, what I learned amazed me. He said, while there were certainly all types of people, women, men, conservative, liberal, left brain, right brain, oh, that's actually not a thing anymore, but anyway, uh, street smart, 
uh, Harvard educated and so on, who had made it really big, he said there was a thread of consistency that ran through virtually everyone. They didn't worry about money. He said, interesting, interestingly enough, the lack of worry preceded the success. It was not a byproduct of it. This is huge. Then Richard Carlson goes on to say this. He, he's talking about all these, all these people who have quote-unquote made it, right? And he says, an inner unshakable confidence permeated their entire existence. They were creative problem solvers, great negotiators, and clever creators. They had an ability to see the big picture. They knew the formulas for success. And the best part of it was, was that in, in almost all cases, it appeared that the non-worriers, the successful people I was studying, truly loved their lives and the way they spent their time. They had fun. I just, I have to tell you, Richard Carlson is singing my tune right now. I, this is just so true. And, you know, that, that book back in, I don't know, the 80s maybe? Do What You Love and the Money Will Follow. I, I forget. There's so many of them. And there was another one. Maybe I'm thinking of this one too. What what color uh, what color is your parachute? I mean, you got to find out what makes your heart sing. Follow this. And, you know, it turns into big money. And there's also something called flow that we'll get into a little bit later. But when um, it pertains here, when we talk about this and following your passion with my students, you know, I, I, I show them some, some quick little short little videos. And one of them is young Michael Jackson. He's like seven or eight, maybe nine at the very most. And he's flying around the stage in the Jackson five, just singing, you know, ba, 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 ba. And it's, he's just flying around. He's not thinking about a paycheck. He's too young to think about a paycheck. He's just so in the zone doing what he loves. And of course the money follows Michael Phelps again, just, you know, following his passion and then there's another, I'm going to forget her name now, but th- uh, there's another three-minute thing that I show my students. And this little girl is a surfer in Australia, and she's, I think she's seven. And she's just, you know, doing doing all this, you know, this crazy competition out there, following and doing what she loves. And this, when we open ourselves up to this with as close to 100%, as close to 100% as of our cognitive and emotional energy, then that ocean thing we talked about, we the creativity just flows right in. You know, and when, when we allow, because the word is allow, the worrying to happen and then actually practice it or rehearse it, it's kind of like when that little kid's making that big, you know, sand hole down by the ocean and instead it caves in with sand, just gets right in the way and disrupts the flow. Now, I got to share this with you too. Um, I was just reading this earlier and I like how Richard Carlson shared about his own, very honestly, about his own life. He said, because he's done, obviously, he's done a lot of work on, um, you know, happiness and self-esteem stuff. This is what he does. For, you know, this is what his passion is. And he said, uh, I began to apply some of the teachings I've been working with in the field of happiness and self-esteem to my own business life. My life changed almost instantly. Whereas before I had felt quite frightened to speak publicly, now I began to love it. The less I worried about the outcome, the better I became at speaking. The less, um, oh, sorry. And then he says, this translated into more speaking engagements, more book sales, and far more clients for my business. It was as, as if all of a sudden my time was in greater demand. This, oh my gosh, this is so about how, 
when we when we get well, first of all, get rid of the worrying piece, like say no, stop the thoughts, right? Remember that not today, maybe tomorrow, to start, you know, start becoming the boss of our brain. Um, this is the first piece. And then, you know, to embrace the magnetism we've been talking about, first we need to kind of, you know, create the space by the thought control piece. And then remember to allow the goodness into that, that feeling that many of us can be uncomfortable with. If we you know, were mistreated in the past or whatever, we have to really work on that also. Because the gratitude and the happiness thing attracts more goodness, which includes money, abundance, prosperity into our lives. You know, I'm thinking of, actually, this is a squirrel moment at this minute, because I'm thinking of um, another video clip that I've showed my students in the past. It's for um, for motivation. I think of very young Jim Carrey. He was really, really young. It was before he even did Dumb and Dumber. And he was on Oprah, again, one of my closest friends. She just isn't aware. And he was talking. I mean, he was so young. I can't even guess his age. He was talking about when he didn't have anything. He drove up in a beater car up to the top of, um, I'm actually, I've been there, so I'm trying to think of where it is, in Hollywood, we kind of sit and overlook, you know, the city, and it's very pretty, and he drove up there, and he didn't have anything, he was, was not, he was just getting started, and he said, you know what, I'm going to write myself a check, I want to say it was for $10 million, don't quote me, but it was definitely millions, he wrote himself a check, dated it, I think, for like three years later or something, and kept it in his wallet, and he just, he just kept envisioning, you know, stopping the worrying and just envisioning, you know, this happening. And he, then he shares with the audience, don't you know that uh, it wasn't, you know, long after that, I forget it was one year, three years, it was very, pretty close in proximity. And when he got the offer for Dumb and Dumber, actually, and, you know, the rest is, as they say, history. And this, you know, gels and rolls right into what, um, what Richard Carlson continues with. He said, he said about himself, See, he said, I found that the same relationship between less fear and more success existed in my personal investments. As I worried less, I began to expand my knowledge about different kinds of investments and options. Never did I or will I jump into investment blindly. He's not saying that, of course, as uh, as some might assume a person would do if he didn't worry. Instead, he said, I simply opened my mind to new possibilities. I love that. He said, instead of approaching my financial life with fear, I was beginning to approach it with wisdom. I took more appropriate risks and asked better questions. My profits grew. I was also learning how to cut my losses, again, without too much worry. You know, and this also kind of touches on the you know, learning to work smart, not hard idea. I'm sure most of you have heard that kind of cliche. And disclaimer here, because many of you out there might be working two or three jobs and might be saying, well, what does she know? She doesn't. Well, actually, I do know because at 55, I've been around the block a few times and um, had to recover at different times financially along the way and, you know, bartending while also teaching and doing other things. So I do know. And hopefully that is temporary, okay? Because when we do you know, follow our passion, follow what makes our hearts sing, follow where our gifts lie. It is true that it does kind of, does kind of just come together and can wiggle right into this working smart, not hard. And you, you get up every day. I can't wait. And I hesitate to call it work even. I can't wait to get to campus and teach and work with young adults because I just, it's it, it, my cup overfloweth, as I, as I say, it doesn't even feel like work to me. 
And the other deal is, um, and I'm a work in progress as well, always, we all, we're all human beings. I, you know, I'm really, I'm not a worrier. I actively kind of, uh, you know, practice what I'm, the strategies I, I share with all of you every day. You know, if I need to, deep breathing, big, deep, deliberate breath. If I'm having a racy day or a worry tries to wiggle across my mind, big, deep breath. Oh, and it's an um, immediate reset of the mind, bringing my mind out of, you know, this afternoon, tonight, or next Tuesday, right back into the now, freeing up my emotional energy, my cognitive energy, my creative energy, um, you know, just like a wonderfully open baseball mitt to catch it all. And also what, what becoming less of a warrior does for us is it also opens this up to, you know, taking more risks. I mean, in a healthy way, you're not like, you know, a teenager smoking a joint behind a garage, not judging because that's, you know, happens, but we're talking about actual, you know, trying things we haven't done before. And Richard taps on that too. And he said, um, he said, I, I tried things I never even dreamed of attempting and not everything turned to gold, but some of it did. And that which didn't always turned out to be a great learning experience. And Sean Aker says something similar. It's, it's kind of amazing, you know, that these greats, we'll just call them greats in the, you know, happiness field, life crafting field. Now we're talking about mind crafting field. Sean Aker, you know, says something similar because when he talks about failure, he talks about it as a redirection. And it's not this, you know, shaming dive into a dark hole situation. It's life pointing us in a different direction. And he also talks about falling up, you know, and we, 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 we try something, we try something brand new, doesn't work out. Okay. But we instead of, you know, again, falling into that dark hole, we, we run with it. That didn't work for me, but wow, I met these people from this experience and that ends and ends, ends up sending us in a new direction. This is just the best attitude, you know, and there's just so much more to what we're talking about. But for today, the last thing we're going to kind of bring into this is the mindful giving piece, because we know that the more we give, the more we receive. And it's not about, this is not really the intention we want, right? We don't really give to get back. We just know that this is true. You know, I'm no expert on the Bible at all the Christian Bible, but it does say that, right? We reap what we sow, the, you know, you, we get back, you know, tenfold or hundredfold or whatever. We know that that's true. And culturally across, across the globe, you know, uh, different countries, different religions are saying the same thing. And when we less, when we are worrying less, right? We, we're talking about this open baseball mitt to just catch and receive everything the universe has to offer. We are in far, we're in a far better place to want to get like this, this genuine generosity just kind of flows out of us. And another great one, John Kabat-Zinn, we've talked about him. He talks about the connection between mindfulness and generosity. There's just such a connection. It's all just gels together. You know, and as, as tough as it may be for some people, you know, when we trust that everything will be okay, it will. Once again, cultures and religions across the globe are saying this. You know, the grass doesn't worry about growing. And Rich brings up uh, Deepak Chopra, another one I love, another spiritual great. He has the seven spiritual laws of success. He talk, Deepak talks about the law of giving. And basically, he, destri- he describes giving and receiving as two sides of the same coin. The more you give, the more you get back. And he's right. Uh, but you don't give because you want something. You give because giving is its own reward. I love that. It's fun. As you learn to worry less, you'll also learn to trust your heart as much or more than your head. 
while you will be doing better in different aspects of your life, you'll also be doing more for other people. You'll be far less preoccupied with success, yet ironically, you'll become more successful. That is so true. Oh my gosh. Just much more. You'll trust that everything will be okay, and it will. And it will. You know, it's what's what's kind of, you know, sort of just awesome, I guess, is sitting here, you know, having this podcast and just sitting here right now, things are just flowing through my head. They're just all coming together. You know, we talked about Wayne Dyer's, when he talks about the Tao and all that and just kind of, kind of letting go and letting your life unfold. It, it's kind of crazy. And, and, you know, Carl Jung saying that, that which we resist will persist. They're all saying the same thing. You know, this, this, this illusion of control that, you know, that we are operating you know, under, right? We don't have the control. So it's kind of like, let it all go. Let your life unfold. Doing what you love, success will follow. Happiness has to come first for success to happen. It has to come first. It's also, you know, life is just, life is just amazing. It can just be so incredibly wonderful once worry is diminished because it just opens up. It just opens up like a flower in the spring, just lets it all in. Okay, so here we go with these other books I've been talking about. I can see it now. So Do What You Love and the Money Will Follow. The author is Marcia Sinatar. Then we have Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Wayne Dyer, we talked about him in this podcast. He wrote Real Magic. And Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen's The Aladdin Factor. These, they're all saying the same thing, that less worrying is better. And basically, until we dramatically reduce worry and fear, dramatically reduce worry and fear, it's very, very difficult to impl- implement any kind of plan um, or strategies for success. You know, Rich kind of winds us up here with, you know, when we get rid of worry, becoming the boss of our brain and putting the brakes on the worry. Remember, we're not looking. The bar is not perfection. That's a the P word is a bad, bad, bad one. Okay, we the bar is do our very best. Then, you know, bring it back, become aware and start over if we have to do our best. When we become better at not worrying. okay, we can you know, develop the confidence because it, it opens it up. It's like that hole in the ocean thing. We can develop the confidence to pursue a new career or dream, the emotional freedom to ask others for help, the ability to handle criticism or rejection with ease, just with ease, letting it roll right through us, right? The confidence to take a risk, speak to a group, ask for a raise, do more for your favorite charity, invest in a business, or create or creatively market a service or product. We can, when we get rid of what, you know, that remember the pie slice thing, right? With the circle, when we kind of grab back that 20, 30, 40, 50% or more, you know, of energy going into worrying and take that back where we're up closer to a hundred percent, the world becomes our oyster. Okay. The world becomes our oyster. So for those of you listeners out there uh, who are new There are lots and lots of strategies already out there. Um, So you want to go back to some of the earlier episodes, especially It's Not Me, It's OCT. That's a two-part one. That's loaded with really practical strategies to um, stop, you know, the unwanted kind of obsessive thinking and the intrusive thoughts and, you know, the worrying is all kinds of strategies in that particular episode and also part two of that episode. So you want to go back to that and revisit. And for those of you who've been listening all the way along, just a reminder that when these worrisome thoughts start, remember to take control of your mind. You're the boss. You're the captain of the ship, right? Becoming the boss of our brain. And what you do is you say, remind yourself, not today, maybe tomorrow. If it's whatever worry thought, what if, what if, what if, not today, maybe tomorrow. And keep up with that because it involves 
commitment and practicing, right? And absolutely positively, the worrying will be dramatically reduced. So main theme here, right, is stop worrying. Because you got to stop worrying to create the space for the abundance, the abundance that is out there, just out there to roll right in, including the cash. Stop worrying and let the cash flow in. And on that thought, this is Kimberly Quinn signing off from Northern Vermont. Have a mindful day. Mm-hmm.